welcome to another exciting episode of Rogues in the House, the podcast where we love to talk about all things sword and sorcery and and adjacent topics like that. So make sure that you are donning your fur diaper and your chainmail bikini because the rogues are in the house. And for the rogues, I'm Dean Geiken. I am Matt John. And I'm Logan. And we have a special guest with us today. Uh, a very special guest. I'm very happy to introduce Mr. Peter Atkinson, who, if you don't know who he is, what rock have you been hiding under? <laughs> well, thank you for having me on your show, guys. Pleasure to be here. Yes. Thank you very much. So, uh, Peter, for the two or three people out there who don't know who you are, um, I'm going to let you introduce yourself because that's going to be easier than me trying to, you know, <laughs> ramble through what what you do and what you are to not just uh, the gaming industry, but to uh, many, many geeks and nerds in the world. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Uh... Uh, well, I was uh, came up uh, was born in Idaho in a farming community uh, and uh, went to Boeing, was going to be a rocket scientist. And then at about the age of 29, I got a wild hair and decided to start a game company hmm. uh, called Wizards of the Coast. Oh, and uh, really it, oh. uh, wizards, <laughs> yeah yeah that? yeah uh, that, that's familiar it, yeah. it exceeded exceeded investor expectations uh <laughs> we started to do role-playing products and ended up uh, meeting richard garfield who designed magic the gathering of course and that mm -hmm. um uh really changed uh, our trajectory significantly and uh, really, that's what started my career from there. You know, we were able to buy uh, TSR, the publishers of Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Gen Con uh, mm -hmm. back in the late 90s. And uh, after I sold that company to Hasbro in uh, 1999, after leaving, I acquired Gen Con again, uh, this time personally uh, from Hasbro and I've owned it, owned it ever since. And I have a couple of mm -hmm. great business partners and um <laughs> That's uh, that's what I'm mostly known for. I'm having a lot of fun these days doing a new thing called Chaldea, which is a, a film business. I got another wild hair when I turned 50 and went to film school. And I've been enjoying trying to figure out interesting things to do in the world of film and streaming. Well, wow, I, you, you started film school at 50. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> that, is a, that, that is a classic... Uh, Example well, of doing a thing you always wanted to do, I assume, right? Well, one of the great things is that people remember your successes. Like people remember, oh, you did Magic the Gathering. Oh, you brought yeah. Pokemon to America. Oh, this is all great stuff. They Most people don't remember like Hidden City Games, which is a company I did that went belly up in, like, from 2005 <laughs> to 2011. And uh, when it went belly up, I was, you know, kind of depressed, you know, it's, it's a bummer. And no matter how successful you've been in other businesses, I put a lot of myself into that particular business and, you know, I, I, I crawled into a cave of, of, um, of whiskey and other vices maybe for a few <laughs> months. And then at some point, you know, like, I just want to do something that has nothing to do with gaming. I just want to, so I, I, Hey, you know, I should go to film school. That would be fun. And like within, I, before that day was done, like within 24 hours, I had registered at a film school in Seattle and um, good for you. Yeah. You reminded me that wizards did Pokemon. Like I have a bunch of Pokemon cards right over here. That was like my whole, that's still my jam. And fantastic. Yeah. 
Yeah. And yeah. in some way, shape, or form, I'll have to blame you for my wife who does the Pokemon Go stuff all the time. I know it's yes. not related, but oh my gosh. <laughs> She's like... It's, a, it, it's interesting. You've got several generations here, right? You've got Dean who is, uh, you know, he probably played OD&D back in the day, the original. I did. I did. I'm an advanced Dungeons & Dragons child, so I played it uh, that under TSR. And then you got Logan who uh, yeah. was a Pokemon, Pokemon kid. kid. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So, okay, well, um, thank you again for giving that real rundown. Um, we didn't quite realize, uh, you know, what the level of greatness that we're sitting in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Okay, come on. All right. Let, 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 let's, let's, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just, okay. I'm just a gamer. Rolled yep. a bunch of twenties. That's all. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> I've rolled more ones than twenties. So, anyhow. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to talk a little bit because this is near and dear to my heart. Uh, just a little bit about Gen Con. Um, first off, we managed to have you managed to bring Gen Con back to Indy this last September. I participated all five days. I like to call it the best five days of gaming, even though it's only four days. But I always show up Wednesday morning to have the fun. I think it was one of the most successful Gen Cons that we've had. And uh, I, just, I just wanted to say thank you. And your thoughts real quick before we move on to uh, our bizarre of the bizarre. Well, yeah, I, th I thank you for that. I thought it was a great, uh, it, it was, a, we called it a half Gen Con. Of course we had, um, you know, we were restricted because of COVID and we certainly didn't want to create a public health situation. Uh, we did not want Gen Con to be known as a super spreader event. And uh, so and it was, it was difficult to plan for in terms of, you know, it's a moving target, understanding what the health mm -hmm. guidelines are going to be. And so mm -hmm. we, uh, we planted a flag a few months earlier at, at doing a half size show and it was good. We still, uh, it was a great, you know, so much better than the prior year The prior year. Of course, we, we didn't have a show and financially a huge setback because we had, we didn't lay anybody off. So we had all the expenses of a, sh of a lot of the overhead of, a sh of our business without a show. Uh, so this year we were able to actually, you know, maybe kind of break even, which is a huge improvement over um, losing a bunch of money. And it, and a lot of people, you know, we were worried, you know, I, um, a guy I work with, David Hoppy, who's the president of the company, was very worried that people wouldn't have, would be disappointed because there wouldn't be as many things to do. And I was like, listen, the gamers are going to show up and they're going to play games. Don't worry about it. Like, it's mm -hmm. great to have lots of stuff to do. But yeah, and the most common thing I heard from attendees was that they felt like they had to show to themselves, right? It was like, okay, <laughs> there's so much less people. It took us back to like 2010. Yeah. People loved having a Gen Con without as many crowds. I think and Dean actually mentioned that specifically last episode. Yeah. yeah. I felt like it was a Gen Con put on expressly for me and my family. It was like <laughs> that. So thank you. Nice. Nice. Thank you. All right. Well, now we move on to our regular uh, portion of the show where we talk about the bizarre of the bizarre. So who wants to go first? Anybody? Me, me, me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can't say no to the guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go for it. I know everybody's talking about it, you know, but I just am so excited that <laughs> Captain Kirk finally got into space. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Yay. I, I don't know, like, anybody here, was it 
uh, a publicity like like did um uh did they pay for him like he didn't I, have to pay, or did he just say no i've always wanted to be in space now i'm gonna sign up and pay for it or what so i've been kind of looking into this a little bit and what it was is that jeff bezos offered the ride to him and they said we will if you want to go and from my understanding he jumped i mean shatner is like he's wants to live he wants to live as much as he can every day um and he jumped at the chance and my yeah. gosh if jeff bezos says do you want to go to space i know you're like yeah i mean yeah. william shatner has mastered the art of being william shatner that is yes that's for <laughs> sure yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that that's just so good i think it's great and mm -hmm. um I don't, uh, you know, I don't agree with, you know, there's people that criticize like all the, all the, you know, waste of resources. And I, you know, like this is, we need things in life that inspire us. We need as humans, we need to be doing things, not always for the practical reasons, but sometimes for, you know, the dreamers, we, we are from the tribe of the dreamers. We mm -hmm. are, you know, and, um, and also besides space, uh, I, I used to work in aerospace. So uh, when I was uh, before, wizards i worked at the boeing company i was in aerospace and um was often reminded at how many innovations and technological improvements and uh, discoveries were made because the nation was investing in space mm. travel yeah i go ahead matt so uh, i'm just a little upset that today uh that was today right or was it yesterday that he did that this morning this, this morning yeah, this morning that's yeah. right days are all blending into one but uh, at around this time of year, during spooky season, I show my uh, students some episodes of The Twilight Zone. And these kids are in grade seven and grade eight. And I often start with uh, the Shatner episode, uh, 40,000 yeah. Terror, whatever it's called. Anyways, I'm upset because like the next class, I'm, gonna, I'm going to show that. And I could have shown it on the damn day when he went into space. <laughs> the day that he's like getting on the plane and freaking yeah. out, it would have been great. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Well, if you guys don't mind, I'd like to follow up with Peter because mine's kind of related. Um, oh, I yeah. will. Uh, on Friday, I am traveling back to Indianapolis, which is quickly becoming my go-to place of fun um, for the Indiana Comic-Con. And I will be meeting William Shatner, getting his autograph and a photo Whoa. on Saturday. Awesome. So nice. that was a birthday gift from my kids to me. Oh, that's super nice. Was that yeah. you, Mike? Mike dropping on everyone, Dean? Is that what the kids call yeah. that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm gonna have him sign my James T. Kirk limited edition bourbon bottle. There it's you go. Still bourbon. sealed. Still sealed. So, but here's my question. Forever be at this. Point. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's my question. Do I, if he says, "Have you tasted it?" and if I pull out two shot glasses. Should I say I will taste it with you? Yes. Why not? Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm always for you know shaking up, you know, making the PR people nervous. That's really yeah. your goal <laughs> in this situation. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a cooler story, Dean, to have said you you yeah. did a shot with uh, Shatner than it is to just have that autograph do. And it. like, while the yeah. bottle might lose some value, that will be a memory you will have forever. How many people do you know that have taken a shot with William Shatner? Even know, if maybe. he says no, the fact that you offered it is a great yeah. story. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah, there's yeah. no lose situation. Yeah. Okay. You're I'm correct. gonna. I'm. Uh, you. You have heartened me. I'm going to. Go forth. Yeah. We have our blessing. Yeah, I'll let you all know later. Yeah. 
Uh, Logan, you want to jump in? Sure. Um, mine's real simple. Um, and I, and this might resonate with Matt a little bit because I know Matt is a big Doom fan. Oh, I love Doom. Um, yeah, and I so Doom has had a really successful like reboot the last couple games, right? And I'm mm. terrible at first person shooters, <laughs> but um, what Quake One got a remaster on um all platforms and it is ten dollars and it comes with brand new never before like released content as well um it's produced by bethesda and id and the night dive studios who also did remake and remasters of uh the turok one and two um and a bunch of other things um who do a really good job with that um and it, I'm connecting it to sword and sorcery because, like, most of the levels, you're, like, running around, like, a gothic H.P. Lovecraft-style castle with, like, a shotgun and shooting, yeah. like, alien nightmares. And, yeah. like, it's just kind of fun. The, like, the... it's super hard. Like, I just get my butt kicked left and right. Because <laughs> um, I played on PlayStation, and, like, it's made for, like, the mouse and keyboard. Yeah. Um, which I just don't have. Um, so, like, using the, the twin sticks is difficult um but but it's fun it's a blast listen so. as a big as a big nine inch nails fan a yeah. game where you can get a nine inch nail gun and it says <laughs> nin on the boxes and trent reznor did the soundtrack <laughs> who's yeah. like one of the most he's like one of those accomplished people in music now yeah he used to yeah. do quake soundtrack he's winning oscars and grammys and crazy it's amazing um, but yeah i salute you for so yeah if you quake. uh if you like that stuff if you like older retro fps games um and want to dive in 10 bucks is an easy like there's no not recommend for that. So yeah, if you're okay with the blocky head graphics and yeah. you can get past it and see, I think that's kind of not be a modern. It is. There's 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 yeah. charm. Yeah, yeah there's charm sure. to that. Yeah. So okay, uh, I'm gonna be very brief. Uh, I just wanted to shout out. I think I may have even mentioned this last episode, but Brian Murphy, uh, author of Flame and Crimson: A History of Sword and Sorcery, he uh, sent me a copy of the book. And signed it with a crush your enemies, uh, which I appreciate, especially since, you know, he's giving me a movie line there. He's basically saying, I know that you know that that's not authentic Howard, but (laughs) we both appreciate it. So I'm just looking at this thing. I love, I love the TOC. I've leafed through, I've read a few sections. He's got a section on heavy metal soundtrack of sword and sorcery. I couldn't agree more. I'm really psyched to read this, Brian, and thank you for sending it. Um, and we're going to take a deep dive into this sometime in the nearest future. Yeah. So if Definitely. if you listen to the show and you're a big Sword and Sorcery fan, you really need to pick this up. It seems, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ultimate. Uh, anyways. Yeah. The hit, it's called and the if you, if you did buy it and read it, leave a review because reviews help oh your artists. God. Reviews are beauties. Yeah. All right. So, oh my God, we didn't even go into the, we didn't even announce that it was the bizarre. You're going to have to put in the sound effect, Dean. I'll put the sound effect in. Don't okay, worry good. about it. All yep. right. Let's move yep. past it. So, okay. Well, um, we are, of course, the rogues in the house and our main uh, focus is swords and sorcery. And that's why we've got you on here is to talk about your role in kind of spreading, uh, you know, the, the expanding the genre of sword and sorcery through something that you did. I I assume since your film class went so successfully. Um, So tell us a little bit about this thing called the world of Chaldea. Am I pronouncing that right? Is it Chaldea? Yeah. Chaldea. Very good. Okay. 
So I discovered it. I don't know. I think it was like eight months ago. Was it That's about right? That's about right. Yeah. And I binged watched as much as I could. And then when the next episode came out, watched it. And I'll have to say that I did do it at work a couple of times because I found it to be so much fun <laughs> and so good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, what it is, uh, World of Comedy, it's, first of all, it's, it's a fantasy world. Uh, it's a fantasy story. Uh, uh, my partner, but I will, I will mention Steve Connor probably frequently throughout this. Uh, Steve and I go way back. We started Wizards together. Oh, before that, we played D&D together in college. It's how we met, and we've been in business together uh, off and on throughout the decades. And so he's our lead writer and our art director, um, I direct actors. It's my world that it comes from. I'm an executive producer. And um, uh, so what it is, is a, is a fantasy story. Our goal is to tell a fantasy story and to create uh, a, and to share this fantasy world. And we're telling the story primarily on YouTube as a series of videos and of differing quality. We have what are on our YouTube channel, World of Chaldea. We have what we call our main story which is um, uh, we have eight, eight chapters that are out on that. And they'll, you know, we have it mapped out for, for multiple seasons. And then we've also been telling stories more like playing D and D in Chaldea. Uh, that's also on there uh, through, um, through episodes of what we call Actoroki. With Actoroki, what we do is we have an RPG session. And then what we do is we do a screenplay adaptation of the story created in the RPG session. And then we film actors acting out that story. And then we edit it together into a sort of a low budget sort of movie. And we do all that's, that. That's in, super cool. That's a great we, idea. Thank you. We do, <laughs> we do that fast too. We do that in two weeks. So from the time wow. of the RPG session to uh, the movie being, you know, to us having ca uh, cast actors and recorded them to it being edited is, is a two week cycle. Can I ask, that, was, was the actor okay, uh, at Gen Con, you had two events. Were they related to the Chaldea series, or is it something separate? The uh, the events we did at Gen Con, we did Akroki there, uh, was not set in Chaldea. That's the only uh, time we've done an Akroki thing not in Chaldea. We did that. Uh, we actually kind of wanted to test the idea of doing it, doing the that format of an RPG session converted to a screenplay, then edited into a, a film. Okay. We wanted to test that, uh, see what it would be like to work with somebody else. And so we worked with Satine Phoenix and Jameson Stone, her husband. So Jameson is coming out with a fantasy world called the Red Opera. And so uh, that particular um, actor Oki series was set in his Red Opera campaign setting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I was yeah, going to so, and, and actor wrote, that's a play on karaoke. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, I just got sure. that. Oh yeah, my yeah. god! I had that for like five minutes, and I was just waiting for my my time to confirm that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, so I have ever since I went to film school. Um, I've been very interested in this idea of of how do you tell um, how do you share RPG experiences? Well, streaming you can watch people play RPGs now, but I mm. I was thinking about this since the eighties. Like I think like wow. Creating a fantasy world is like this work of art, and we have these great moments where we role play together. But anytime you go and tell somebody about it, you know, it's like nobody wants to hear. It's like your... secondhand stand up. Yeah, yeah, you don't want it. Yeah, secondhand. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it is, right? So I've always been intrigued with this space of how could you take stories created in RPGs and turn them into films. So the um, uh, 
while I was in film school, I, what I did at nights and like between classes and stuff like that I, is I just filmed a bunch of RPG sessions, which is common now, but then it wasn't so common. And, um, and then my first film after film school where I could do a proper shoot and hire all my own, you know, not have to negotiate with classmates <laughs> and do a film shoot. What I wanted is I took one of those RPG sessions and adopted it to a screenplay, like I just described, but we did it pretty high end. And it was a, um, it was called The Devil Walks in Salem. And the story was uh, created with the RPG fiasco by Jason Morningstar. Uh, using the Salem 1692 playset, so it was about you know uh, the witches of Salem and yeah. witch burnings and stuff like that. Hmm. So that was a lot of fun. But then it was like, okay, I don't see a business strategy here. I mean, this is like hmm. I did a short film, like everybody does when they get out of film school, and then what do you do with it? And the typical career path is to go out and raise money to do a feature and then show it at festivals and hope it gets picked up. And I was like, I don't want to do that. What I really want to do is do something in fantasy so uh steve and i got together and we decided well we're gonna do a story set in chaldea and we really but this chaldea we want to do a big epic story and it's too expensive to film i mean this yeah. is a game of thrones or lord of the rings mm -hmm. sort of scale story something yeah. with multiple characters multiple storylines and you know and and fantasy is really expensive is a really expensive genre to film because it has all the complexities of a period shoot where you can't see anything modern everybody has is wearing costumes for the most yep. part you can't just go buy off the rack yeah. and and then you throw in monsters and magic on top of that mm -hmm. so uh, what we did is we came up with a uh, what I think is kind of a unique idea for it, which is to do it in what we call motion graphics and live action combined. Thank you for, for saying that, because I was curious, <laughs> what do you call, for the people who have not seen it, it's almost like a comic book, but you're yep. moving through the comic book, almost kind of like Ken Burns style, except yes. in animation. Yes, yes. Um, uh, it's it. Uh, we say motion graphics because it's under the, the term uh, means something that not is not quite as um, sort of uh, realistic and fast paced and expensive as full blown animation. You know, animation yeah. can be really really nice. So even older animation, you go back to heavy metal. That that is expensive sort of stuff to do, uh, but. Well, but uh, motion graphics is you're taking, you know, we're, we commission pieces of art and we'll do them in layers. So maybe like if there's a character in a piece of art, the character is, is on a separate layer from the background. So you can do some things like parallaxing and some simple movement, or you can have a character fly, you know, appear. Uh, and then we do all the dialogue uh, uh, is shows up in dialogue boxes and moves around. So there's always something moving on screen, but the raw material is just, is still art. It's mm -hmm. not, there's nothing actually animated. And then once in a while, just like in a video game might cut to a live, a short live action film and what's called a cut scene, we'll have a cut scene that will short to, that will switch to a short live action film. But we, it's so much more expensive that we don't do it very often and not as often as I originally hoped in our first eight episodes. We only do it twice. Okay. Um, that was, I think in the, it was the war room or the yeah uh, war, war room. room. Yeah. I was, I was really into the story I, and we've, we've watched them. I've watched all of them. Yeah, it I is, think. it is quite engaging. Like I know some people might be like, well, it's just, you know, it's not animated. It's not live action. 
am I going to like be absorbed into it? But I did find it very engaging. Cause like, yeah. like you. the camera still moves around, things still happen. Like there is still a sense of movement um, and the actors and the narrator, like do a really good job of, uh, oh, thank you. you know, getting you into it. So, well, yeah, we did a full sound treatment. So the sound yeah. part is all, you know, I would stack it up against any sort of Hollywood movie. It's got, oh, yes. Great, yes. You know, the, the actors are, are professional actors. They're recording in a sound studio. We've got sound effects. We've got musical score. We've got ambient soundtrack as well. Mm -hmm. So we have the four soundtracks that, that are go with it. It's just, uh, and, and then the, the, the motion graphics is, and the art is great art. I mean, it's, it is, it is very well yeah. done. Fantastic art. Um, I've, I just wanted to say, like, I have seen other sort of motion comic uh, pieces like that, and they've all kind of felt a little, I don't know, flat. They did not draw me in, yeah. but it was a different story with this show. Um, yeah, and, and full disclosure, too, Logan and I often remark, like, we love animation and we, um, well, hold on, <laughs> let me say, yeah. we, we watch animation we always find it a little more of a difficult connect as a viewer Correct. Uh, for whatever reason. Right. Uh, but there's obviously exceptions. And I found during this, I, I didn't have any of that lag. Like it drew me in more than I was expecting. Yeah. hundred so, percent. Yeah. Wow. Uh, had to mention that. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. it. Well, and then I, the same way I was binging it, you know, like an addict, um, I really enjoyed it so much yeah, and I'm were. surprised. Uh, yeah. I was surprised that, you know, more people hadn't heard of it, but when you went from the animated to the live action, that really, I was like, whoa, are we going to be getting like a full film here now? And what was it? It was like about 15 minutes of the last or the last 15 minutes of the third. Yeah, episode. that's generous. I think it's probably more like eight or 10. Mm -hmm. It depends, depends on which one. The one yeah. we did in chapter three, the war room right. is, I think, a little longer than the one we did in chapter seven, uh, which yeah. was Raskeller. And, um, but yeah, in both cases, well, I had, you know, after coming out of film school, what I told Steve was that like, you know, we, you know, we had this discussion, we can't do full fantasy and everything like that. I said, okay, I, I, I want to do short ones, but I want to do them really well. I want to hire a great DP. I want to bring in a great crew. And I'd rather do five to 10 minute film that is exquisite quality. And it yeah. was, it was, yeah. you know, 30 minutes. Now, Actoroki is a different story. Actoroki is very <laughs> campy and stuff like that. So I, I, I so though, those are two different boxes. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Um, if I remember right in my research, this all stems. And as you said, stems from your D and D campaign from the eighties, correct? Yes, that's right. Uh, I have, um, when I started playing D and D 1978, I, I just almost immediately decided to be a, a dungeon master. I, you know, and same um, here. Yeah. And the world, like many of us and, uh, and the world building was what got me excited. And, you know, I, I, within a year, I, uh, in, by 1979, I'd started uh, creating uh, Chaldea and it, and I've been DMing ever since uh, not always with D and D I've also DMed a lot of a burning wheel, some of it with fiasco, but, um, it's, it's a camp and, and there've been periods like when I was doing Wizards of the Coast, there was, you know, a decade there where I didn't really have much time to play D and D, but mm. it was always going at some rate or another. So, so uh, go ahead, Logan. I have a question. Cause so I'm a history teacher in real life. Um, and so 
I was curious because so I saw the name Chaldea yeah, and it yeah. gave oh, me yeah. a certain image in my head because like that's like yeah. historical Babylonia, which uh-huh. at least in the episodes I have not seen, I like you obviously have a like a connection with history. Like I see recognizable things. How did you get the name for your world? Like where did you settle on that? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's weird how things inspire you and you don't okay. really in the moment understand why, you know, but um, I, I've loved this idea of, you know, Abraham, you know, I, I, I'm an atheist, but uh, yeah. indulging in uh, um, a Christian and uh, Jewish uh, and um, Islamic uh, traditions here, um, all of these religions, Catholicism too, all ultimately trace back to Abraham who came out of Chaldea. Right, right. And I am, I love religion as a topic uh, in fantasy. I have, um, I, you know, I was, you know, the deities and demigods book from A, yes. D, and D was yes. basically the high level monster manual in our game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we played a lot of high level D and D and we played a lot with gods and we played a lot with real world mythologies and Egyptian gods and Japanese gods and Norse gods and so on and so forth. So uh, this is a huge theme in Chaldea. In fact, it's even called the age of gods uh, right now. And the story is about a demigod who's emperor of the world who gets assassinated and nobody really knows why. Well, obviously somebody knows why, but the viewer, (laughs) uh, the characters don't know why the viewers don't know why. and And it will be a mystery for a while as to who killed him and why. And so religion is a big part of the, of the storyline. And I like how real world Chaldea was a birthplace for not just one big religion, but for several big religions, you know, um, and so that that that's kind of what I like. That yeah. that is an exceptionally satisfying answer. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot of other. I mean, as you said, there's a lot of multiculturalism in the story. Uh, but it seems like you kind of focus on like Western European, almost Germanic uh, stuff in the main theme, main story. Am I? incorrect in that Hesse, uh, and a lot of the names are very german sounding so there is um uh uh yeah so you know part of my you know part of my history here is of course i was raised as a, a white boy in idaho and <laughs> did dungeons and dragons um you know started chaldea uh from a certain you know perspective if you will and so it has been a wonderful journey though to say hey no this is a world and this world has many ethnicities and i love history and so in the more recent say the last decade sort of overlapping me going into film and and, and this project has been a lot of developing uh other cultures that are not sort of european based mm. if you will and cool. especially Middle Eastern cultures. Um, that's my jam. I love Middle and Chaldea, oh, yeah. of course, is, you know, was historically lo- the real world Chaldea was located where modern Kuwait is now. And so I've, I've got a number of kingdoms in Chaldea. So first of all, almost every human kingdom in Chaldea is inspired from a very specific real world place and time. I say inspired by because we take a lot of liberties, mm-hmm. but uh, so I do have, um, you know, a Babylonian kingdom called Akkadia, 
uh, which mm -hmm. is based off Neo-Babylon, 7th century BC. You know, I have a Persian kingdom called Hakamanish based on, you know, basically during the Achaemenid uh, dynasty, Egyptian um, 17th king, you know, uh, new kingdom era, 17th dynasty sort of. So I, I do have a lot of non-European um, but of course, Middle Eastern is not as big as, you know, that's not as far from European. It's taken me long, longer to um, do justice to other cultures. But right now, my Akroki series, uh, and the Akroki, um, the setting for my Akroki stories is in a place called Targonia, which is inspired by uh, Central African, um, mm. Congolese, Nigerian. There's some great mythologies to mm. pull from there. Definitely. And, um, so, and, and so, you know, when you're doing, you're designing a world, you design all these places, but then when you start plopping down stories, the story has to be in some location. Mm -hmm. And there was based on some personal history with the Dungeons and Dragons campaign, you know, uh, Hesse, which is a Germanic kingdom was kind of historic in our play group. That's where a lot of stuff was happening. And so okay. there is a, there is a main storyline. Uh, we have a character named Jonas who's not mm -hmm. Germanic. He is, um, an Arab, well, Ardan, mm -hmm. which is a Chaldean kingdom, um, based on, uh, pre-Islamic polytheistic uh, Arab culture in southern Jordan called the Nabataeans. Yeah. And, yeah, and so, which was, you know, Petra. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, uh, Jonas is an Ardan, but in a uh, Hessian kingdom. And so when you're writing some of this stuff, it's funny that I, I, I could, I, I love talking about this particular aspect, uh, the challenges of, you know, of being progressive and inclusive and having all these things and yet, tied to this old D&D campaign, sure. which is not yeah. that. And how do, you, how do you blend all this stuff together? And you think, okay, I've got a nice diverse cast here. And then you put them in Hesse and then you realize, well, well not okay, now all the background characters are Germanic, okay. Uh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You can, only yeah. Do, you can only do so much, yeah. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you end up kind of boxing yourself in a corner that you kind yeah. of have to navigate out. But you know, I don't, I, I want to be all the, you know, I want to, create have a uh, an inclusive world diverse world all stuff but, but i'm also not gonna like shy away from the the world is the world this mm -hmm. is a medieval this is based off medieval society and yeah. medieval humans were cruel i mean yeah. and yeah and most people did not like people that did not that were not like them, whether you're talking about race or gender or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's a brutal, um, Chaldea is based off history and it's brutal and it's got a lot of war and a lot of bad people. And, uh, yeah, I think the, just the little intro you put on the front that sort of preps people yeah. for that. I mean, that in and of itself is, that's acknowledging, uh, these things. And I, I don't know, I think, I think, a you know, a lot of that stuff just comes from for a long time, people feeling that they were not represented in these games, but it doesn't mean, you know, that we can't publish and work on worlds that, um, that are a little more, I don't know, familiar to the things you were creating decades ago. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think we're actually in a really good spot now where, I think everyone is sort of invited to the table aside from, you know, there's a few things that pop up, a few controversies here or sure, there, but sure, sure. you know, I, I just ran a D and D club at my school today for the first time ever, oh, that's actually, awesome. which is weird. Oh, really? Good for you. Yeah. And it was just mind. It was so awesome to see 
because listen, I know you all can relate when I was younger at the D and D table and maybe it was, maybe you did have a different experience, but it was very much uh, white nerdy kids playing this game, boys, white nerdy boys playing this game and yep. Uh, yep. just different situation today, different, uh, you know, you had, there were different people from, uh, sorry, different walks of life. Yeah. You had boys, girls, you had trans students, you had all of these different people playing and feeling welcome and really digging it. That's and super so, cool. yeah. And I mean, I think that the world of role-playing games now by and large is, uh, it's so much more open like that. And yeah. so, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I think we're in a good place, um, in terms of the doors are open sure and now we can all different creators are being involved yeah so i don't um, know it's you it's, actually reminded me so like we don't have a dnd club that'd be super cool but i have two groups of students that regularly talk about their dnd campaigns mm. one of them is all girls yeah. um and I, i'm in new mexico so like it's a lot of you know hispanic some native I've got a couple white kids um i've got an african-american girl um, and they have this little group and they play Dungeons and Dragons together and they talk about all, like I make nerdy references all the time in my lesson plans and they get them and laugh. <laughs> and Excellent. I think the coolest thing to me, so like as when I was a kid, like I was like classic nerd, right? But these are girls that like, I wouldn't necessarily think of as like yeah. the stereotypical D&D player, which tells me that not only is it socially acceptable for like, like girls are welcome at the table, but also like anyone can enjoy it and anyone does. Yeah. So that's super cool. Well, it's, it's, ju it's justice in a sense, because it's yeah. like this yeah. game is so the, the amount of people who wouldn't give it a shot, right. Are now being welcomed with open arms. Come on in and try this. And so many yeah. of them are realizing how wicked it is. And little wonder it's so big at the moment. And, yeah. and now, you know, the thing too, and this is really recent is that the community of people who are designing RPG yes. products has become diverse enough that yeah. you have like uh, like last year this product called Sina Una. I hope I'm not mispronouncing it. Uh, the byline was Asian stories told by Asian designers, hmm. and so you're having the communities become big enough that not it's not just you know us uh, white guys trying to design something accessible for marginalized communities, but you have people from those communities who are who have taking ownership and doing it, you know, from a place that's going to be more authentic. Yeah. And, it, and in some, and in, in some level it does, I think kind of free me up to say, okay, great. This is good. This is happening. I, yeah. I feel like I can kind of do my own thing, do yeah. it in a respectful way and try to, you know, and, 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 it, and have it be a world and diverse and stuff like that. But I don't have to at the same time, try and be something I'm not, in, in like, right. how do I really speak to a community? No, I want them to feel welcome, but you know, that community is only going to get really spoken to by somebody from that community. Sure. Yeah. Makes complete sense. Um, related to gaming and then back to Chaldea, um, is the storyline still following what your campaign was or maybe still is, or is it a separate story that's being written originally for the the film series. Yeah, that's a good question, right? Uh, so you know, uh, RPGs don't often uh, convert to good stories, no. especially old old school <laughs> D and D games, which are usually just kind of a series of hack and slash battles and stuff. So now, my uh, I've mentioned Steve Conard; he's actually a screenwriter professionally, and um, 
when we sat down to work on Chaldea, it is like, okay, well, you know, the actual store, you know, when we, we said, well, what were all the stories that were good and, and how good were they? And what, what did we have to work with here? And we went back and he said, well, and we all, and we talked to a bunch of people that we'd played with over the decades and everybody kind of agreed. There was this one storyline that was happening in the eighties as uh, that was like, okay, this storyline was really compelling. And uh, this is what we should sort of wrap a story around, but we didn't follow it too literally. We said, okay, that story mm -hmm. idea is good. Yeah, yeah. And we took all the old stuff that we'd done over the decades of playing this world. And we, we kind of look at it as a treasure chest full of interesting jewels of, you know, so here's these interesting characters. There's these interesting magical items. Here's these interesting moments, these interesting plot twists, these interesting locations and stuff, but let's not try to recreate how these all were threaded together. Yeah. And let's, let's just kind of start over using all that stuff as, as a resource. And, and also too, the other reason we had to do that is that, okay, let's go back to 1980 and I'm in high school, you know, <laughs> what, what type of stuff am I using in my D and D campaign? Like, Oh yeah, you ran into Conan, you know, right, Oh, yeah. you found, you found the Iller stone, you know, I yeah. mean, or you, you know, the Loch Nahr, but he's got a lightsaber. I mean, geez, it's my you know, I mean, yeah, it was an original world, but there was a lot of stuff that was pulled from popular culture culture of the time and so we had to go through and sanitize all that mm -hmm. and get rid of all that and on the ethnic front we never paid much attention to like which ethnicity is where and stuff and so let's okay let's kind of go through the map and and really organize the people's uh, mm -hmm. community you know uh, ethnic groups in a way let's takes let's let's branch out into some ethnic groups we never considered before let's you know uh, tone down how much of it's European and sure. elevate some of the other stuff. So we had mm -hmm. to do quite a bit of work to, to really make it publishable. You've uh, sparked another question, but I want to get this question here before I for, uh, forget. Um, you're talking about, you know, the inspiration of the stuff that you came up from uh, the emperor God Cordava. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they saw the, I, I Logan, you I missed did. the prologus. Yes. Um, yes. He's a very Conan character, and Conan is kind of our yeah bread and butter here on this podcast. Yeah, and um, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Was he directly influenced by Howard's Conan? Uh, I I'm like yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. I <think laughs> <so>. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah, that yeah, is absolutely. There, there's this. Uh, you know, I um. Uh, so it was funny because one time um, uh, him as a character actually was a like in when we played D and D in Chaldea back in the eighties, Cordava was a character in distant history. So okay. that's one big change is that we brought him forward and we we okay. set the game right in the wake of his assassination. And somebody once asked me, we did a lot of wargaming too because I have a big passion for war games. And is so that your of, is that your playset in the live action? the the miniature yes, yes that's holy a crap yeah yeah, yeah. The, those miniatures i bought from duke seyfried i have like oh. i got like five more uh collections uh oh. just i can see them from here as uh, a war gamer <laughs> i'm like I'm yeah, these down, are like, man I'm these are down. historical war you know these are like egyptians yeah. and hittites and yeah. uh, you know and awesome. so on so uh, anyway 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, where was I? We were talking about Cordava. And... Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what I did was, um, uh, I, 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 I took two different sections of time and put them together. And, and oh, at one point, since we're doing a lot of war gaming, now I remember where I was going. Uh, mm. One of the players would say, hey, did anybody, has anybody ever ruled all of Chaldea? Like, did anybody take over, like, you know, and I just made up off the spot, like, oh, yeah, because in my mind, I had this cone. There was a guy who just, like, conquered the whole world with the strength <laughs> of his sword and his willingness to use it. And, you know, just very Conan-like speech came out of my head. I was, yeah, I was definitely picturing Conan-type character. And so, yeah, he is uh, that type of guy, and he he gets assassinated. And so I just said, and that was the story. I just made it up on in the middle of a game. Well, that's <laughs> Interestingly, Cor- Cordava is a location in the it's Hyborian city age. In yeah. 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 So I, yeah. I changed the spelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're safe. I think you're I feel safe. like we've all been there before. Like, yeah. I'm going to take this. I'm going to change some letters and it's totally oh, right now. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, right. That's both, right. Both, I don't know if you know, but both Matt and, and Logan are published authors i couldn't put three words together if i tried on a piece of paper but uh you know that type of stuff i mean you got to borrow from somewhere at some point am i right yeah yeah you definitely do yeah it's Um, all tributes it's all tributes yeah Yeah. homage yes homage that's it yeah um the question that came up when you were talking about you're developing all this you're writing all this doing all this you know pre-planning and pre-production and stuff have you thought about turning this into some type of either um, a physical book or maybe even an RPG setting or something like that that you is available to the outside world? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So uh, I don't personally want to want to do that. Um, uh, what I want to do is focus on telling a story and sure. creating a YouTube channel and doing mm-hmm. stuff I'm doing with Actroki and stuff like that. That's where the focus is. And so. Um, our strategy, you know, our if if this becomes a thing, people like it, and we build it into something that it, where there has an audience that is sufficient uh, that it would make an attractive license. Then I would mm-hmm. license the rights to mm. uh, to you know whether it be novels or RPG um, mm. settings, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So we you know we, we make sure the intellectual property is all nicely tightly owned and that it's it's all unique enough like we're not borrowing you know we're not borrowing we don't have the lot <laughs> not anymore sorry you, know? you, you you have made me want to rewatch heavy metal so bad <laughs> i did like just whip out the heavy metal references didn't yeah, i you did yeah. a couple times yeah. i love heavy metal i love yeah. it uh, yeah. it's great such great stuff, stuff. You kind of bring up a question for me because so the millennial that I am, I was perusing YouTube comments on your videos and someone asked, (laughs) there's a mistake money. Yeah. Uh, Like, cause, and then I think someone, I think it was the official channel replied, this is a labor of love. Yeah. 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 So like, like, I don't think I had YouTube ads on my YouTube. So like, how how do you, how do you even how <laughs> there's a fork in the road here right sure. like i okay. i'm doing this because i love it i'm having right. a lot of fun you know this is how uh you know when you buy a badge or floor space at gen con this is how the money gets used okay goes to costumes and wardrobe and cameras okay um, like this is yeah. quality so, stuff you so put this is, money into so, it so so it's done i'm realistic enough to realize that you know, there's a very low chance that this will become a big enough thing that sure. HBO is going to come calling and want to make 
you know, the next Game of Thrones series, but it could happen, right? It yeah. could happen, right? So, uh, so the strategy is to have fun with it, but make sure I own all the intellectual property right. or telling as good a story as possible and creating, you know, what are called, you know, unique and ownables, things that um, are unique to the world. Uh, we have a, we try to do a blend of familiarity with a sprinkling of, of unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the world's very familiar and it's all, a lot of it's based on history. A lot of the fantasy is sort of straight up uh, fantasy elves and dwarves and halflings <laughs> and dragons and undead and giants and all that stuff like that. And then once in a while, you know, our carrier, our, our carrier creatures are called geckons and there's these really cute flying lizards. Well, okay, that would make a really cute plush toy something. Yeah, right? yeah. So, <laughs> there's the businessman thinking. So, yeah. So, I'm seeing I'm seeing plushies at Gen Con 2022. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so but but yes, that's, that's it. It's it's smart that I mean the approach of going storytelling first, telling a compelling story because then all that stuff becomes appealing after it, right? Right. You right. can world build right. all day long, mm-hmm. but it's it's the story that's gonna that's gonna bring people yeah. back. I know I'm Yep. Preaching no, the ca- choir. campaign worlds are boring until yeah. you've told a great story in the world, and then people Agreed. like the story. Then they then they become interested in everything else. So All sometimes right. art sometimes artwork goes a long way. I think back to like Dark oh, Sun. Yeah. I don't need to know the story of Dark Sun. I can look at Brahms' artwork and just be like, No oh kidding. my god, no, <laughs> like, I am changed. Yeah, but yeah it's that's yeah. very true. Well, that's okay, so we've got season one point one up. What's it looking like for season two? Can you say? Um, it, yeah, it'll be a little while because uh, we had a lot of slowdown during COVID, yeah. and um, uh, so, and not just slowdown in terms of what we could do, but just financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not living on the street or anything, but uh, I lost a lot of money last year, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, um, yeah. uh, and so uh, we've survived it. Uh, Gen Con, you know, really, this is. Uh, Chaldea exists at the uh, at the pleasure of Gen Con, if you will. Uh, we'll so, buy your tickets for next year as soon as they become available, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'll have a problem. I think people will be so, damn ready to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, you know, so we navigated not being able to have the show for a year, and then this year having half Gen Con. But there is um, uh, there's a difference between surviving and then building up enough financial strength that right. I can start. Uh, you know, that the, the money starts to flow again. That's, you know, so it'll be a while before there'll be uh, uh, the, the the rest of season one will be okay. coming out. We'll be an extra eight, eight episodes will be the rest of season one. A lot of, I mean, okay. a lot of work's been done, mm-hmm. but it's probably, it's probably a couple of years before it comes out. In the meantime, we're doing after and having a lot of fun with it, doing a sort of low budget uh, sort of stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, you've got any other questions for Peter? I mean, uh... I do actually. And this is, so this could be a two-parter, but like, so um, I got to ask my best friend in the whole wide world adores magic, the gathering. Oh, so good. I, I yeah, want to know. I highly like, recommend it. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. We used oh, to play all the game. time when we lived together. Um, how involved were you in magic? The gathering is part one to this possible two-parter. Uh, well, uh, heavily. I mean, sure. I didn't design it, of course. You know, Richard yeah. Garfield deserves all the credit for creature sure. designing the game. Okay. And so, if you think of the um, at the core of Wizards of the Coast in in the nineties uh, was you know 
primarily a partnership with Richard Garfield and myself with him being the thought leader for the company in terms of game design, especially Magic the Gathering. And, and my job was to run the business. And I, I basically okay. saw myself as, you know, Richard, I, I'm here to um, take your, you know, you design games and I'm here to make them happen, right? You know, I'll do everything else. And well, not me personally, but hire people at run yeah. an organization for them. And so that, uh, uh, that that was my you know I'm I'm a gamer I mean I love yeah. games um, I was very actively involved in playtesting and stuff but frankly I don't know that I ever helped him that sure. much in terms That's of, fair. of designing um, Magic the Gathering I just uh, it's it's a complex game like the yeah, design that goes into that the asymmetry <laughs> and the possible combinations is insane when I think about Magic I I like I I do game design too and i wilt when i think about that it's it's incredible <laughs> it is and so, I, yeah oh i was to say i asked french if he had anything to ask you what would it be okay and he asked so obviously you said you play test a little bit maybe not design or anything like that but you make all these kinds of cool cards right and then sometimes they get banned in competitive play <laughs> how do you feel about that like if someone finds like this cool like combo and then it's like oh that breaks the game, how, like as a gamer I guess how do you feel about that? Oh, Does I can understand why. Well, no, it doesn't no? bother me out. I think sure. that's, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you can still play the card in other ways, right? right? right. I mean, yeah. the, I and and so an individual who finds this combo and relies on it to um, outperform, you know, so so then there becomes this node the strategy node of like, well, this is the strategy now. Everybody's got to play that type of deck. But that environment's not interesting, right? It's sure. fun for a while. It's 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 great to kind of let people find these yeah. things, break the game for a short period of time, and then fix it so that the environment <laughs> can go back to something stable. Sure. You know, it's like a it's like a run in the stock market, okay, or something, right? You, yeah. you ultimately you want want the whole ecosystem yeah. to be stable and if, if there's never a broken card if there's never a broken combo then probably we're being boring i mean yeah. it, it's not that uh i mean and, and by the way i want to make it really clear i'm not speaking for what's happening at wizards now right in the last right. 20 years you know i sold the company in 1999 mm -hmm. and so um i but in the 90s we recognized that for the game to be interesting you had to risk there being combos and probably, you know, really effective combos, you know, and, and probably actually hope there are, I mean, you, you kind of don't want them to happen and you try and not let them happen. But at the same time, you're kind of like, okay, it's okay if it happens a little bit, you know, because that's sure. exciting and, uh, and, and stuff. So it, it's, yeah, I, I think that that, that sort of, ecosystem and how that plays out has played out historically was great awesome Perfect. that's fantastic part of the i'm just curious he, yeah. he would he's gonna like go over the moon i think when he hears you answer that so. <laughs> <laughs> good all right well um peter i think that's about what we've got for you really want to thank you very much for coming on and talking about world of chaldea and you oh, can thank find you it for having me yeah thank it's you. world of chaldea dot com and if you don't know how to spell chaldea look it up um <laughs> uh but thank you C -H -A -L -D -E -A. so <laughs> yes yeah. I, you know it, the, the 
there's this thing called Google. They can find it. I'm sure. Google um, will find it for you if you've yes. said it. Just say it around your phone. It'll, no it'll kidding. Yeah. send you ads. <laughs> so thank you again very much. And yeah, very, um, very, you're very yeah. welcome. Thank you for having me. It's absolutely purely a delight. Okay. And uh, I guess um, maybe I'll run into you at Gen Con. And if I do, hopefully you'll remember me and I'll say hi and you won't think I'm a weirdo. <laughs> oh no, that'd be great. So yeah, yeah. But help me out. Like, hey, remember did that podcast together? Yeah, I mean, yeah. 3D yeah, is yeah, gonna huh? look a little different than 2D. You exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll make sure to wear the same Star Trek shirt. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might be there too. You never know. Monolith might have me there next year. You hear that, Monolith? Send me, please. <laughs> Monolith, send send Matt to Gen Con. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So Matt, why don't you take us out? Oh, all right. Well, uh, again, thank you, Peter. And uh, to all of our listeners at home, may your swords always remain sharp.